This episode touches upon topics that may be inappropriate for younger children. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. May peace be on you all and welcome to another episode of I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And it is this year's episode of Ask a Muslim and by far has always been my most popular segment and I'm back with more of your questions to answer as a Muslim but I'm not alone I have with me my friend Casey another Muslim woman and I thought why should I be the only one with opinions to give on matters it should be the both of us so I have with me Casey how are you doing Casey hey I'm fine and boy do I have opinions <laughs> <laughs> we're both very opinionated women Casey and before <laughs> I begin with any of the question and answers just a disclaimer as I always put in neither of us are Muslim scholars Islamic scho- scholars by any stretch of the imagination just two average Muslim women and we've got opinions and y'all can hear them and for any um, I guess scholarly articles I would have for this segment I usually put a link in the bio so I'll put the link in the bio so y'all can read up the reference for more details and we're going to start off with our first couple of questions i'm going to ask and i'm going to have casey answer first and then i'll give my opinion upon it uh-huh. um, <laughs> yeah that's how we do it casey <laughs> <laughs> the very first questions and both are related to the hijab also one of the, the more popular questions that i seem to get um every year one is the first one is but is from ariel her question is I've always wondered at what age do girls start wearing hijab? And then Julie followed up. Uh, she asked, please explain a brief history of the head covering and its importance. So Casey, and give your opinion upon, opinion upon the matter. So uh, that's okay. So at what age do they start wearing hijab? Um, yeah. So that's a loaded. Okay. So that's a tricky question, to, but no, yeah. it's our opinion, Casey. It's our opinion. That's the thing. Let's let's give them our well, opinion. One one is opinion and one is what it is. So okay. <laughs> have to start wearing hijab is when a girl becomes accountable, meaning she has reached the age of puberty. Mm-hmm. So has to start wearing hijab. Uh when parents some parents start having them wear hijab that's on them you know some people start at seven to get the children used to it or the girls used to it um you know some do it when they're babies that's that's dependent on the parent and that's dependent on what they want to do when it has to be done is when they have reached the age of puberty so that's the that's the, the first part of it. to that yeah. yeah so explain the brief history of the head covering and its importance i mean is she asking like why i guess it's it's more of a for us um, in our uh, muslim tradition uh how early i mean at what point did it come into existence for women that i, can't I know answer. And, and i know that's a tricky one because um let me give my my i guess take on the first question um for and casey is absolutely correct that when you look at um islamic rulings is generally the the majority opinion is is that at puberty it's generally a good idea to start wearing the hijab but in my personal experience there is a lot of cultural variations to this like for me i 
did not wear, start wearing the hijab until much later in my life. I, it's only a very recent thing because in Pakistani culture at that time, women wore what was a, maybe a, a very loose head covering and maybe at some times, but generally we didn't wear the hijab as a thing. So there is a cultural difference as well in how the religion is practiced in different parts of the world. But if you look at like religious consensus, generally it is a recommended after uh, a girl hits puberty. And as for explaining a brief... Can I I interrupt you? Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so two things that you said. I don't want to get people confused. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said recommended and opinion. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the religious consensus, it's must and fact. So it's not opinion, it's fact and it has to be done. It's not recommended. This is what you have to do. But then... It's just like if if just like it's just like if someone says, "Okay, if you steal, you go to jail." Right. No, but here's the thing, Casey. Um, my, uh, the way I am sort of putting it into context is that you will meet um, for my audience, you will meet uh, Muslim women who don't wear the hijab. No, and I understand that, but I just the reason why I wanted to put it that way was because. I don't want people to think that, oh, well, you know, it's just recommended and I I, I want them. I, I just was trying to get the, I don't know, correct verbiage used. So uh, and that's <laughs> the then, thing. This is one of those hills also, Casey, that and you know this very well. That this is one of those hills that we will also die on, okay? <laughs> because we have the two polarizing, like, I guess, opinions. And again, the polarizing opinions uh, come from the fact that we are coming, I mean, like, uh, Muslims come from so many different backgrounds. And then when they exist with opinions, they come together and they have those polarizing opinions. And then everybody's starting a fight, that sort of thing. And I completely get what, what you're saying, is that for... If you go ask any Muslim scholar, they will say, yes, the hijab has to be worn after puberty. But if you will meet, uh, suppose, a Muslim woman from like Pakistan, she's not wearing the hijab. And then you point out to her why you're not wearing a hijab. It's going to start a fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand (laughs) that. Yeah. But my thing is, I didn't want like your listeners to go off and say, well, you know, um, I heard a podcast where they said, you know, it's just recommended or, you know, you don't really have to wear it. It's their opinion. And so again, here's and that's where I would give a disclaimer to any listener uh, who's not Muslim, that if you're not Muslim, giving your opinions on these matters would not be recommended anyway. It's like me giving an opinion on something that's Christian or Jewish or anything of that sort. It would. It's. It doesn't fit. That's. That's. That would be my disclaimer to uh, to any of the listeners. And as for um, the brief history of the head covering, I was actually reading this up. I'm. There's so many. And again, when you Google search all of these things, you get a 10 billion articles upon this. And I was trying to find the simplest article so I could really put in a link for which would be an easy, understandable link. It's not the most perfect article. Um, I think, again, uh, it's more geared towards classroom learning. But if I had to, like, I took out a, like a paragraph from it, I highlighted it. 
it says, and this is again, I think people have the misunderstanding that head coverings is only a Muslim thing, but it's not. If you look back at old Renaissance painting, Christian, really Christian based paintings, majority of women there, and even if you look at present day nuns, they're wearing the habit, which if you really deconstructed it, is a kind of hijab. So um, it just says, and I'm just going to highlight this article, uh, this paragraph, is that the scarves and veils of different colors and shapes were customary in countless cultures long before Islam came into being in the 7th century in the Arabian Peninsula. To this day, the head covering plays a significant role in many religions, including Orthodox Judaism and Catholicism. The veil itself predates Islam and was practiced by women of several religions. It was also largely linked to class position. Now, this was interesting. This I didn't really think about. Wealthy women could, could afford to veil their bodies completely, whereas poor women who had to work in the fields either modified their veils or did not wear them at all. So I will give the link to this article, which is a brief history of the veil in Islam. And I'll put it in the show notes. So that's my answer to the second part of it when it comes to the brief history of the veil. That is not just an Islamic practice. It has predated uh, Islamic practices in Orthodox Judaism and Catholicism. So I think it's when people really look at the hijab, they're they're only looking at it very, from a very narrow viewpoint that it's only an Islamic thing when it's really not. So with that, I'm going to move on to my next question. And this was by Victoria. And she asked, what do you wish people understood about being a Muslim? What part of your faith do you think is most universal? How is being a Muslim inspiring to you? Now, this is three separate questions. So, Casey, you go first. Um, what do I wish people understood about being a Muslim? Um, just the same thing about being black. Just, you know, trying to live. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> we're just people. Else. Like, we're, we're just go- here. Trying we're, to do we're the buying right thing groceries, raising our kids. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure our kids turn out to be good people. Right. Like, that's really it. Right. Um, I also wish they understood that um, media lies. <laughs> so stop taking what you think you know about Muslims and Islam from TV. And uh, yeah, Google and a bunch of stuff. Uh, if you want to understand uh, Muslims, maybe make Muslim friends. Um, Always a good idea. <laughs> What part of your faith do you think is most universal? Uh, basically, I don't know, all of it, I guess. You know, <laughs> praying, um, fasting, paying zakat, like all of it, I guess. And for those um, who might not there, understand the term zakat, it's basically paying charity. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, there's some aspects that people pervert and make it into what they think it is. And the funny thing is, for some reason, that's what everybody else latches onto and is just like, oh, this is what Islam is. Uh, Like, for instance, the misconception of beating your wife and stuff like that. You know, that's not what we do. Like, that's one part of a world that decided that that's what they were going to do. And the funny thing is that one section is what the entire world has latched onto and just attached that to Islam. And it's I've easy had to demonize many... something you don't understand. That's the thing. Uh, it's also easy to find a way to understand it. So that's the oh, second definitely. thing. Definitely. Um, how is being a Muslim inspiring to you? Inspiring? 
that's like how that's like asking me how is breathing inspiring to you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i i've been a muslim my whole life i've it's inspiring to me as i don't know i live <laughs> i'm alive i don't know that's that's And a weird question i think most most people don't understand is that Islam is not something separate from how we live. Um, I don't know. I mean, and th that's my bad on my part, is that I've not studied other faiths um, and how it is practiced on a daily. But for us Muslims, every single thing we do from brushing our teeth to combing our hair to going to the bathroom. Um, Having uh, sex, getting married, children. Exactly. All of Everything. these ha has uh, some part of Islam incorporated into it. So it's not a separate thing. It's not like mm -hmm. a... But, and, but you know, uh, the thing is, a lot of people like put their faith on a plaque as well. And then they're like, that's, that only that part is Islam and everything else I can do uh, on my own. But that's for most of us, that's not how it is. We live and breathe our faith. So it's not just an inspirational inspirational writing on the wall. It is how we live our lives. Exactly. So we, don't, we don't even think about it. We don't think about uh, it as a separate separation from our existence. So it's not a matter of inspirational because it's not something that we refer to occasionally. It's a part of our everyday existence. And it's not just about five times prayer or giving charity or the five you know, major pillars in our faith. It's everything. It's, we are supposed to live according to Islam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moving on to our next question. And this, is, this one is from Carla. And Carla and Lisa, actually, they, have, uh, they both have related questions. I'll read Carla's question first. If you have kids, how do you handle the overwhelming marketing surge of Christmas? I think it would be hard for little ones not to feel left out of the gift-giving part. You start, Casey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I'm not laughing at your question. I'm just, I'm thinking of how my daughter deals with it and I'm just backing yeah. up. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I don't want to <laughs> say anything wrong. Um... It's just something that's there. Mm. It's not, it affects us, but not in the way you think it would affect us. But doesn't your daughter ask about Santa Claus? My son used no, to. No, I mean, my even, daughter my... thinks the concept of Santa Claus is weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm telling you, my daughter thinks it's weird. She's like, some dude you don't know comes in your house and drops off <laughs> presents she's like i'm serious she thinks it's weird like no my my she doesn't ask about santa claus um I'm, but like at christmas didn't she ever ask for like why don't we have a tree and presents no oh no. wow because no. see here's the thing my son and not even both my sons my younger one especially he loves all the magic and the glitz and the gra glamour of it And up till a certain age, he was like, like, why can't I decorate my house? Why can't I have Christmas? I mean, But or, don't, or, you, don't you decorate your house during Ramadan and for Eid? No, we do uh, decorate. Okay. But the thing is, for them, it's like that is within their house construct. For a lot of uh, like for Christmas, it's everywhere. 
right? Oh, you know what? Maybe I make a big deal of it. So to <laughs> her, it's not within just her house construct. When it's right, right. You know, when it's coming up on the Ramadan, I'm like buying, you know, uh, decorations. I'm asking my daughter, what kind of decorations do you want? And then she looks forward to decorating together. and We decorate right. the whole house. And, oh, wow. you know, then she starts getting her list together for her presents for Eid. Mm. And then she loves suhoor time. She loves suhoor time. Oh, and for those who may not understand, suhoor is the time when we wake up to have our first breakfast or the big meal before we start fasting. So that's what suhoor yeah. is. So, so to translate all of this, Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. Mm -hmm. And during Ramadan, we fast. So we don't eat and do other stuff from sun up to sundown. So from the time the sun starts even coming up in the sky till uh, sundown. Um, And that lasts for 29 to 30 days. So Mm -hmm. that's Ramadan. Um, Then Eid is the last day of Ramadan we don't fast so that's it's actually not the the last day day, it's it's the day it's the first first day day of the next month next month of the next month yeah Islamic month but yeah so that day is you go to the how do you say it in English the musallah the the masjid uh, or the mosque and yeah okay yeah we have the Eid prayer and uh, uh-huh. uh, the thing is, you that have bre- is- usually have breakfast there and right. meet with your friends. And right. we're going to say that is what that Eid, the the first Eid after the end of Ramadan is this. It's the celebration of the end of Ramadan. And that's the day that we are all decked up in our finest. And for, and again, this is and practiced culturally different in uh, different mm-hmm. parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But basically you do, you go to the masjid, you f- a prayer, eat prayer in the masjid, in the mosque. And then you meet your family, friends. And for children, there's always an exchange of gifts. You know, parents give their kids gifts. and Or when mm-hmm. we were growing up, we were given money. So we would go to all the relatives and we would collect money. And we'd see at the end of the day who got the most amount of money. Oh, see, we got presents. I've right. never, I didn't get money. Yeah, we got presents, and my parents would hide presents all over the house, and we ran oh, around wow. looking for our presents. Right. With my daughter, I don't hide the presents. I just have it piled up, and so oh. at the end, she gets to dig into all her presents. Right, and we take pictures, and you know, and then that day, we usually. Whatever she wants to do, like the day is whatever she wants to do. So Dave and Buster's get her friends. So we don't even exclude her friends and her friends are most of her friends aren't Muslim, but they come Mm. with us. Right. So we go do whatever, just have a good old time. Mm. So she has never she's never and to, I guess, circle back to the question. She's never really felt out of the loop when it comes to Christmas because She has her own stuff. And then it's like, we don't just have that holiday. And I make a big deal about other holidays too. So it's like, she has her own stuff. So it's like, she doesn't really look at Christmas as, oh, why am I not getting this? And I think that's so fantastic. I mean, and that's the thing. Um, For for me, I experienced that when my, my son was younger. And at that time, we were in so many transitions. We were moving uh, like locations. We didn't really have... 
um, I guess, the resources to really make a big deal at that time. Now we do. Mm. We have a lot of Muslim neighbors and we make a really big deal out of Ramadan and Eid. So now I don't get the question. But at that time, we used to for my younger one, especially that, you know, is Santa going to come? Do we do Christmas? And the, the reality of it is that we do have to explain to our kids how that's not part of our faith and beliefs but again when Eid comes around we try to you know especially I have um, other siblings in other states and they always sent presents for my kids and my kids would then get excited about it oh we're gonna get presents on Eid so yeah. slowly over time you know they do sort of come to realize oh yeah we don't do Christmas but we do Eid and it's amazing and we love it you know that sort yeah. of thing yeah. Okay, so, you said this had two parts to this question? Yeah, the, and Lisa's question is related. So I'll um, read her question. Uh, she said, is there a time of year when Muslims give gifts? I have two Muslim employees and wonder when is the right time to give a bonus or other types of gifts? Uh, she also added that one of them is Moroccan and the other one is from Indonesia. Um, so, yeah, the simple answer is the Eid at the end of Ramadan and also Eid al-Adha, which happens about uh, 40 days after that. Now, here's the tricky part about it. If you, I mean, if you're not Muslim, you're, the easy way to find out when those two times are is just to Google it. When are When is Eid for Muslims in that particular year? You'll get generally get um, a rough estimate date because for us, because we follow the lunar calendar the dates always change so i would actually advise against googling about islam because you'll get whatever (laughs) because there's people there's there's always a scholar on something online whether they are not muslim and they knew they knew a friend who knew a friend who knew a friend who knew a friend whose cousin's dog sister aunt's (laughs) brother was muslim and they heard one time that this is what muslims do and then they're going to write an article about it so (laughs) if you actually want to know about something about a muslim ask a muslim that's like that's my suggestion or right you know go visit mosque or whatever but google is not your friend when it comes to that <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, the thing is uh, the easy way would be to ask your employees lisa um if yeah you ask exactly. them when when eid is they'll be more than happy to tell you and that is the time when we usually exchange presents amongst ourselves and it's very nice of you lisa to really think of it that way and uh, as casey advised i mean if you google just eid when is eid it should be safe but you know everything else you know you we have so there's so many conflicting i guess opinions on the internet it'd be a dangerous i guess rabbit mm-hmm. hole to go down that's that's basically it and, and just out of curiosity i've googled a couple things um and i hate saying i'm it so i hate saying i googled something <laughs> <laughs> I searched for it on the internet using a search engine, more right. than likely Google. Right. I'm such an I'm such a butthole. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I the answers I found is like, who said this? What is this? So that's what I'm saying. Many don't... opinions on the internet as well, Casey. <laughs> yeah. So don't don't be an internet uh, a Google scholar because uh, you are going to sound, you're going to go up to a Muslim and, <laughs> and be like, I heard. And they're going to look at you like, what? 
<laughs> if you watch, you know what? A good example. Watch 90 Day Fiance. Watch oh, jeez. No, Fiance. please don't watch 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Do not recommend. Well, oh, I'm, wow. saying, I'm saying that because there are episodes <laughs> where this person was like, oh, I saw on Google's that you behead people for this. And then you look Aish. at the Muslim and he's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he lived his whole life in a Muslim country. Right. And then the person is adamant. Well, I saw it on Google. <laughs> <laughs> but so. for real, Casey, come on. 90 Day Fiance is trash TV. Okay? It is total <laughs> trash TV. And I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't totally even like. I didn't even watch full episodes of it. And my husband, Are like, you did you serious? see this? No, man. No. Like, Total barely, trash, and I'm here for it. I, I I barely get to watch TV. Okay, my whole day is scheduled around you know recording podcasts, editing podcasts, and picking up kids and all that jazz. And by 8 p.m., I'm like, I've clocked out. I'm it's just me and Candy Crush. Okay, leave me alone now. <laughs> I have I hear zero. You. I zero like any mental capacity to even process any of it. But my husband, he was, he saw some clips on the internet. And he was like, "You gotta see this." I was like, "What?" And then like it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you say but, horrifying. I say hilarious. So <laughs> well, hilarious in a horrifying way, Casey. Come on, <laughs> it is so cringe. Sometimes I'm covering my eyes because it's so cringe. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But moving on, Casey, um, <laughs> our next question, our next two questions are actually from Milena. And she says, and this is, you know, another really popular thing that people ask about, um, because, again, they hear a lot of opinions, see different things on the media. But, you know, we're here to give our opinion about it. I have a friend from Pakistan and she invited me to her wedding. And it was the first time I experienced a wedding where men and women were seated in separate rooms. Do all Muslim countries celebrate weddings this way? Another question, it was an arranged marriage. She had choice not to go through with it if she wanted, but she respected her family's tradition. Um, and the second part of the question is, uh, what do Muslim countries think of Western ways of dating in marriage? Okay, um, so the first part. Uh, of segregated weddings, Casey. So, I mean, if you're in the musalla, which is the masjid, the mosque, Yes. Um, women and men don't go. It's not a. It's not a. You know. You know. You're not together. The men has. You have the men section. You have the women section. So if you're getting married at the musalla, then that's just what it is. Um, it's not jarring to me because I've seen that my whole life. Um, so you're just used to it. You go into the women's section. You sit with the women. Men go into the men's section. They sit with the men, and it is what it is. Um, now. That's if you decide to have your wedding at the, the masjid. I've gone to backyard weddings where it's gorgeous. They set up the backyard right. beautifully and everything. Right. And, you know, people are with people. Right. <laughs> it's just, and it's, that, it's, that's where, where the thing is for me. When I was growing up in Pakistan, um, it could have gone either way. And we didn't have our weddings in masjids traditionally because our weddings are off the chart big. Okay. Mm. Our minimum is like 500 people. Minimum. Wow. Yeah. Minimum is 500 people. And that's just when you exclude your own like relations, direct relations. Okay. Yeah. Calling yeah. like family, friends, and friends, and all that jazz. It's over a thousand easy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we used to have what we called marriage halls, and they were like big places. And 
for most of my life, I did not like go through segregated weddings. Um, it was generally mixed gathering because generally most of the most families sat together, like all mm-hmm, the members exactly. of one family sat together and the other exactly. family sat on a separate table, that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, and seg- doing segregated weddings, I have been to, had been to some, but it's hard because you know you don't have that kind of space to really separate the two that mm. sort of thing so i've been to both and it depends again it's a cultural thing and where is the wedding being held exactly how many people if, are if are the there? wedding is held in the masjid in the musalla in it the might, mosque yeah it's generally going to it would be, be yeah but if you're having it like segregated yeah mm-hmm. if you're having it at your house or a wedding hall uh backyard then it's you know people It'll are with people gathering. it's just yeah, yeah. yeah it's a mixed gathering so um the second part the second? is about arranged marriage i mean they do arranged marriages here they do arranged marriages in russia they do arranged marriages no, in india here's, here's the thing casey it's the, based on the person go ahead no the 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 concept of the arranged marriage and as people understand it here is that your spouse is chosen for you when for me it was more of a matchmaking system So and that's I that's sh- that's what I know of when I yeah but hear most of arranged people, marriage. most people associate arranged marriage that this girl is going to marry this guy and that's it. Okay, so, so let's let's put that to rest again. Yeah. That's a misconception <laughs> when it yeah. comes to Muslims. It's right. not it's not like um there might be a minority who do that based on where they're from or whatever. Right. But no, when uh, you, we do arranged marriages, if we do arranged marriages, um, it's usually it's like, more of a match. Here, I, I know yeah. this person right. here want to get to know them or something like that. Right. Um, I've actually done that for many, many friends and right. it works out because it's like somebody you know and you trust is introducing right. you to somebody they know and they and, trust and they do and, talk they do talk yeah, and get to talk. know each other and get to know each other's families and sometimes if you don't like i rejected like a good number of men before i got married to my husband mm-hmm. so the woman that, has a choice we're not forced into anything no no we do totally have a choice as if we want to go into a marriage or not And and the thing is it's it's also like I knew many women who were like they they married somebody that they liked from before maybe somebody that they went to school with or so on and so forth they yeah. like they tell their parents that I like this person I want to get married to them and that And totally I know happens. people who have met other people on the street and they got right. to talking and they got married like I mean it's just like everybody make else. a rom-com out of that <laughs> no, one of my friends, her marriage, oh, her courtship, that needed to be a rom-com. I oh, thought that was the most romantic. That's just me though. But anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, that's when we think of arranged marriages, that's what we think of arranged marriages, not right. that the two families were like, "Hey, I have a son, you have a daughter, they're getting married when they turn 18." End of story. Right. That no. Nah, no. Nah. And again, those that's that sort of thing doesn't is not just like it that it does happen in minority Muslim mm-hmm. segments, but mm-hmm. it's 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 not just uh limited to them. This has been traditionally something that did happen in all other cultures as well, especially exactly. like uh, in a certain period of time when people like wanted to create alliances, family alliances and you know princes marrying princes and you know that sort of thing that it did yeah. happen that you didn't have a choice. So you're mm. like, yeah, y'all getting married. Exactly. 
Yeah. And the second part was, uh, what do Muslims, uh, Muslim countries think of Western ways of dating and marriage? Um, I'm American. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Casey. What do, what do you think? I I mean, uh... here's the thing. I think I think where the where the question comes from is that um, for us, they may have heard that dating is not generally acceptable practice. So what what is we our date, opinion? We don't date the way that like they show on TV, like Christians date, for instance. Here's the thing. I'm like old as the hills, Casey, okay? We didn't have (laughs) all dating and all that. So even in under, in Muslim circles, I mean, I I knew a couple of people who dated, okay? But it was uh, like Western dating. So what is what oh, you what, said it was like Western dating? It was like it was like Western dating, okay? We're very hush hush mm. and you know going uh, mm. going like sneaking out the windows that sort of thing. Oh, <laughs> but oh. you have to explain um, to the listeners, like in your experience, like when Muslims date, what does that mean? What does that entail? It's a courtship. You get to know each other. Mm. Like you go out with friends. You go out with you know maybe your parents are accompanying you. You don't. You're not like in a it's room chaperone. by yourself where temptation right. gets to you. You know you're in a crowd right. or you're in a crowd. Even if it's just the two of you, you're in a crowded area. Mm. Um, basically, a place like doing stuff in a way where you would be shy to do inappropriate stuff let me put it that way right um you know you're supposed to and i'm not saying everybody follows the rules but you're supposed to not have sex kiss touch until you're married and that's just what it is um so that's when you're dating you're literally getting to know a person not letting uh physicalities cloud your mind you're getting to right. know this person do i want to spend the rest of my life with this person is this person compatible with me so it's a lot of talking so basically if you went to, to the movies other. it would be a chaperoned it would be totally date. a chaperoned yeah yeah right. um you would be together with a bunch of friends or right. your family or mm-hmm. brothers or something like that i this is me i don't mm-hmm. understand and I don't agree with, oh, we should live together and uh, I need to get to know different penises before I settle on one. And like, I just, I've never agreed with that. Right. I don't, right. my thing is like, if you're living together, why not get married? Or the the constant um, argument I have with friends, I believe in young marriage. Why not? And they're like, well, why? Because you grew up and change. I mean, you're always changing. You can get married at 50. And then by the time you're 60, you're still a different person. And you don't agree with the person that you're with. So um, you're always changing. I believe in young marriage. Um, and again, in my opinion, there is no good universal rule for any of this. Mm. Uh, people people feel like that it's, all, it's either one way is right or the other way is right. That sort of thing. And if you meet somebody who has an opinion counter, like if we meet a lot of uh, people that would be like, but you didn't date your husband before you got married. And like the amount of, uh, I guess, condescension in that voice is is a bit much. Because, well, I would yeah. actually, you know, have them describe what do you what's your definition of date? Right. Like, then... like, a, like a Western date. Um, uh, no, I a, hear you. A, I'm telling yeah. you my process if they, right, you know. Right. Because I've had people ask me questions um, and then I would have them break everything down for me. What's your definition right. of date? Well, this. Right. Okay, well, why? 
well, this, mm-hmm. okay, well, why? You have to explain to me why your concept should fit my life. Right, right. And that's the point that for everybody, the same thing can't be universal. If dating works for you, that's great. But like, like here's the thing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be straight with this. I have lots of friends now who are single, they're divorced and they're Muslim. And they describe to me like when they're trying to like find somebody else to to get married to. And they describe same same concept of like a crowded date, a chaperone date and all of that. And they go through this this dating process. I'm sitting there like, I can't do this. I can't mentally. I am just I'm not geared towards that. And I would be able to emotionally handle different kinds of people at every few weeks. I just can't do that. Like dating, I would be very bad at dating. It's just so emo. It would be so emotionally draining for me. And 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 I, 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 yeah, I'm more of a, Hey, uh, I guess I'll talk to my friend. Hey, do you know anybody looking, you know, for anybody? Uh, right, what's right. His personality. I, I, I don't have patience for people. So exactly. <laughs> that, that that's that, that's that's how I, I would be when I when I hear them and the some of the the instances they describe. Like I would not do well with this. And that's what people have to understand that you know just because it works for you doesn't mean that somebody else has to fit into that mold necessarily. So yeah, that's our opinion on that. Um, our next question, and this is a bit of a long one, and it's from Callie, and it's an interesting question. I'll read it out. She says, I know there's no one right way to answer this one, but something I often wonder about, folks who belong to non-dominant religions in the place they live in, do you feel a sort of kinship with people of other minority faiths or even atheists based on the fact that they are often ostracized or left out of societal conversation in similar ways, even though they sometimes come from wildly different worldviews? Or do you feel more of a kinship with other Abrahamic religions, given their common roots and sometimes overlapping worldviews? I feel a kinship with people that feel a kinship with me. Mm. That's uh, let me put it that way. Um mm. If you're not racist, if you're not xenophobic, that's always a good thing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you're not a moron. <laughs> you get my humor. Right. Uh, and just generally, you're, I mean, can I curse on this? I don't know. It's fine. Oh, just I, there's, generally, there's, you're there's not usually an a disclaimer asshole. before this episode anyway. <laughs> uh, then I get along with you. Right. Um, then on the flip side, don't try and push your religion on me. Don't try and push your religious right. views on me. And usually we don't talk about religion. And right, that's just right. how we, we, that's it. Right. So um, for me, um, I have uh, like almost the same opinion as you, Casey. I think in general, Muslims do feel a certain kinship and especially like in our religious circles with other Abrahamic faiths such as um, Judaism and Catholicism, uh, Christianity in general as well, that we do uh, create certain ties because we do have a lot of historical commonalities, even though, you know, we have certain like points of contention, but we do create connections amongst these other faiths. But for me in general, same principle as for you, KC. If you're a decent human being, not an a-hole, uh, like not really hoping to pick a fight or 
um, really trying to push me down, I'm, I'll be friends with you because I have lots of friends who are atheists, agnostics, Wic- Wiccan, um, spiritual, all sorts of friends. They're very good friends for years now. They have never really, like, really intruded into my space in any form of really attacking way. Whenever they have questions for me, they ask me questions and very respectfully. And when you have friends like that, there's nothing like it. And I ask uh, questions of that. I have a Buddhist friend and, you know, (laughs) she probably hates me. Like every other day I have a question on Buddhism. She's like, oh, my God, she's back again. (laughs) But that's the thing. Um, Yeah, there is sometimes a kinship amongst those that are of the minority faith. But a lot of my friends are Christians as well. It can go either way. It's all a matter of respect. If you are Christian, which is which would be the dominant faith here in the U.S., you can still be friends with me as long as, again, as Casey said, not racist, not xenophobic, not an a-hole. It's all good. And don't try and push your religion on me. Yes. <laughs> Please don't. It's always bad. And just, you know, come eat some... Uh... Come eat some chicken and rice and some salad and <laughs> chill out. Let's watch 90 Day Fiance. And- that, oh, my God. <laughs> and that's the other thing about Muslims. We'll feed you, okay? You want to come over? We'll feed you. Food is what we're about. <laughs> Food is our and thing. You know, yeah, and we'll we'll be fine, you know? Yeah. I do get a lot of questions. Again, if you have questions on Islam, ask a Muslim. That's right. the best bet to get your answer. So a lot of my friends who are not Muslim, you know, they do ask me a lot of questions and I I answer it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're pleasantly surprised because they go by what a friend of a friend of a friend told them or what TV told them or what right. Google told them. And right, right. It's usually wrong. So, you know, I've heard. <laughs> or it's like heavy- playing telephone, Casey, by the end of it. It's not what it started out with. So, I mean, I was going to ask you, have you heard crazy stuff? But I was wondering, do we have more questions before we even get into that? Well, um, one last question. Okay, then we can get into that. Okay. So the last question is from Maria. Um, she asked, uh, do, you, do your children embrace their Muslim religion and upbringing? Are they proud to be Muslims within their community growing up in the U.S.? Or they do, do they sometimes wish to assimilate to the more mainstream, Amer- mainstream American culture? Uh, are you finding it a challenge to let them grow up with all the experiences American kids have while at the same time enforcing your religious teachings? Okay, so um, yes, yes, my child embraces her uh, Islamic faith and upbringing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, she's proud to be Muslim. And so now let me go back to my childhood. Yes, I embraced it. Um, yes, I was proud to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wore hijab before I was supposed to wear hijab because somebody came into my school. She had just visited Iraq or Yemen mm-hmm. or something. And she came back to tell the students all about hijab. And she was completely wrong. And I got <laughs> I was livid. Uh, so I corrected her. And I went home and I told my mom, I'm wearing hijab because these oh, people wow. are wrong. Right. And I'm going to wear hijab. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm wearing it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I think my mom convinced me to not wear hijab, but at least just, you know, wrap my hair. Right, so let's right. start off with that. Right. But that's why I started wearing hijab before I was even supposed to. Mm. Um, 
because somebody came in and told what they thought was right and they were wrong and I was pissed off. Um, now, do they sometimes wish to assimilate in the more mainstream American culture? That's a, hard, that's a hard one. I just don't like how she worded it. Mainstream American <laughs> culture. Because um, ma- my I mainstream think... American culture is what I live. And right. so it's... Uh, American culture American culture oh god this is going to turn into a whole different show (laughs) (laughs) American culture is a melting pot this is Mm. what America is supposed to be a melting pot of everybody so for the term American culture to be used just for what she's asking about it's, it's not the correct way that you should use it so my American culture is my American upbringing which mm-hmm. was Muslim. Um, I come from, I'm, I'm first generation. So like Caribbean, so Caribbean American, Muslim mm-hmm. and my American journey. That's right. my American culture, my mainstream American culture. So this is what America is, a melting pot of other cultures coming together in one country. That's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be. However, you know what let me not even go down that rabbit hole let's just leave it at that so that's why I just I just had a problem with that American culture phrase now if you're asking if they wanted to assimilate more to I guess what they mainstream see outside the, what, what they see on TV on yeah, the internet yeah what they see outside sort of like you're yeah, not yeah. wearing hijab and or maybe just know. like going to varsity dances I don't know like th- I, I like those are things that are foreign to me because I was not raised over here but you have like junior high dances or whatever it, it well and yeah okay so but again that's dependent upon the individual so we'll right. get back to the dances so yes some people do want to take off the hijab and just blend in Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have to, you know, that's that's something we have to talk to them about. Some people want to have, you know, boyfriend and girlfriends like their friends in school have boyfriend and girlfriend. Some people want to do that. Some people, some people don't. So it just it's based on the individual. As far as like, for instance, the dances. I mean, I know people who go to the dances, you know, they go to socialize with their friends. Right. Um, I personally am not a person who likes to do that so I've never had an inclination to want to go to prom or right, blah right. or blah blah my daughter on the other hand she wants to go mm. um, am I going to let her go she can go am I going to oh, be yeah, there watching good. her I'm going to be there watching her yeah. is it because of Islam that I'm not I'm going to be there watching her absolutely not it's because I'm a crazy parent and <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my daughter getting hurt right. so I will be in the vicinity, but I won't be like breathing over her neck, but I will be a chaperone. So, and again, like you said, like you didn't grow up here. So that's not, you're not used to that. But again, this is my mainstream American culture, which, you know, so that's, that's the weird way she worded that question in my opinion. Uh, The thing is because you have such a different (laughs) experience than mine. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm reading the next part. Are you finding it a challenge to let them grow up with all the experiences American kids have? What? I you gotta give your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Try to stay. Uh, okay. So I'm American. Mm. I have had experiences that American kids have. I mean, that's like that. That's that's the thing for you. I mean, uh-huh. you were born, raised here. Here. 
Yeah, you are American, my, and your experience is the American, American experience. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you're gonna have to break down this experiences American kids have that I have to be worried about. You know, what is a challenge to my 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 child? She's having an American experience right now. Right. You know, she's like, um, I don't have enough video games. First of all, <laughs> are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I always tell her that first world problems. Are you serious? There's somebody right now who's wishing they had water. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> mommy, there's nothing to eat here. And I go in the fridge and the fridge is full. Like, what are you talking about? Right. That right. seems like an American experience to me. First world right. problems. Like, and then again, not to take away from some Americans who don't have food in their fridge and don't have video games, but that's just such a weird way to say the question. Like my daughter I is- think the, the assumption should not be that all Muslims are immigrants. I'm an immigrant, right? You're but not, I Casey. think what it is, is they're separating. So to her, American means Christian. This is what we're doing that. And then she's separating everybody else. No, uh, but, but for her, she had mentioned at the American bottom is. that she's also from an immigrant background. So uh, she had mentioned uh, okay. that. She, yeah, yeah. She's from an immigrant background as well. But the again, for anybody like. The automatic assumption is that if you're Christian, then you're not immigrant when that's not necessarily true, as she had mentioned in, in the, at the bottom of the question. And the assumption can't be that if you're Muslim, then you're automatically immigrant. Yeah, I was born and raised yeah. here. I mean, I don't. We were born and raised here. And the thing I is just... know other cultures because, as I'm telling y'all all the time, make friends. Right. That's how I know other cultures. Right. You know, I, my friend, I know some of the Pakistani culture because I have friends who are. And then my friend who's uh, she's American, but then her parents are like from somewhere else. But then she mm. married someone who's from Pakistan. And mm. so it's like and then I have people who are from Israel. I know people from Italy. I know people from China, Japan, right. the Caribbean, Africa, different countries in Africa because Africa is not a country. Africa Just is a continent, like a really huge the one. Largest continent. Yeah. Um, but I know people from everywhere. So I know right. different cultures. So I, right. I think that's, I don't know. But anyways, my daughter grows up with an American experience. Let me put yeah. it that way. She has a yeah. very American experience. She has no Just other like experience. You had the ex American experience. You are American, Casey. I am American. And yeah. then my husband is, he's American American. And the reason I say that is because I'm first generation. Right. He's from here. He's Muslim. And even though we were raised in the same country, completely different experiences. Yeah. Because like I was raised in the south, who, he was raised in the north. That's so. like anybody who's who would be raised in a country as big as the U.S. Exactly. Like, if you're from exactly. the north or if you're from the south, it's a completely different experience because even the north has its own kind of culture. Every city has its own kind of culture. Exactly. Exactly. So that's so. how it is. It's not even about <laughs> the religion. It's just your experiences. So. Experiences. Yeah. Was there any more parts to that question? No, that was something? the no, that was the the last question. And uh, yeah. So okay. and then I'll put in my own disclaimer. I don't mean to offend anybody. I just have a really sarcastic, upfront, in your face way of answering stuff, and I don't really know how to be diplomatic or very sweet when I'm answering stuff. So 
you what you get is what's in my head so i don't mean to offend anybody that is totally not my way of thinking uh i just answer as i see fit so which is which is fine casey and that's the thing i think what people uh need to realize and i usually have asked the muslim for just this reason is that sometimes these things need to be really pointed out that there isn't there is a certain degree of bias that a lot of people exist with when it comes to muslims but they're not aware of that bias and if we can clarify that bias then you know it it helps the other person moving forward so that's why we do this i'm happy with that then <laughs> <laughs> So before we, uh, I guess before we end, uh, my question to you was, have you heard any, like, you know, I have a friend of a friend of a friend or I heard on Google or TV told me, have you, have you had any of those kind of moments when it comes to Islam? Uh, no, not that, not that in particular. Um, really? But Oof. yeah, I mean, uh, again, because half the time I'm living under under a rock case. Yeah, I don't socialize <laughs> with people. <laughs> Except maybe on the internet, okay? <laughs> but I've, you know what, the weird thing I had, and this was, um, again, I think this was more of a failing on the part of us when we're trying to, uh, for us as Muslim, when we're trying to convey certain aspects and we're like i don't want to get into the details of it and i'm just gonna give in random facts to this non-muslim person i had somebody ask me about you know praying um in the uh, at the workplace and she was like it must be so hard and i was like you know it's not that hard um mm -hmm. you know you just find like a, a corner and you know you just go pray and she was like but i heard that you had to take a bath before every prayer i was like wait what Wait, and what? she was like yeah no 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 here's the thing and then you get you have to, i was like i don't even know how to it went into this but she was like i had a muslim tell me that the reason why he can't pray during his medical rounds is because you have to bathe before every prayer and i was like no no girl no that's that's i i don't know what he's doing during his medical yeah. rounds but he ain't he should not be mm. bathing before every prayer yeah so I, 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 yeah i like i chalked that up to you know one of ours giving out misinformation so but that was yeah. weird i have that whole conversation i'm sitting there and i'm like Woo i will tell you right now if he was in front of my face he wouldn't have said that to you <laughs> yeah so he would yeah. he would have come up with a different excuse that kind of person is somebody looking for excuses not to pray not to pray yeah because he knows that that person doesn't know he gives yeah. that excuse and gives misinformation That's but if right. it was a muslim standing in front of him he wouldn't have said that because you he knows it would have checked him exactly yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that was the weirdest conversation i had i was like dang man <laughs> yeah no we don't have to take a we're not, shower we're not showering prayer. before every prayer like it's more <laughs> like a hand it's like more like a face wash okay that's what i have to explain to her that it's more like washing your face and arms. That's it. Okay. That's yeah. like, this is, it's not complicated. I was like, oh, thanks for clarifying that up. Like, I don't know what he was trying to tell me. I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you wash certain parts of your body. You could do it with like, if you have a, like a little drinking bottle of water, yeah, yeah. you could do it with not even like maybe a quarter of that bottle. That's, yeah. that's how little water we use. Um, and no, it's not hard to pray at school. The, the hardest part, I would say, is just people watching you, maybe. If you're I praying think, yeah. in like a public area, the hardest part would be people watching you. And then like in this day and age, if we like pray outside, you have to be worried about xenophobic jerks, mm. you know? I'm so in Texas, always... so yeah, that's always a thing. 
Yeah, so you always have like a lookout. You can't just mind your business, you know. Right, right. So that's. But what that's, about you? But what about you, Casey? What was the weirdest uh, thing you ever had to encounter? I have heard. <laughs> and again, it's never to my face. It's always to somebody else. Like right. if again, if you have a question, ask a Muslim. Don't right. listen to other people. Right, right. So it's like I'll say this one. This is the one that sticks out the most because this person told my cousin. And mm-hmm. it's like, are you kidding me? So she told my cousin, hey, um, and the, the person knows that. So it's my cousin's friend and she knows my cousin's cousin, which one of her favorite cousins is mm-hmm. Muslim. So right. it's like it's not like she went in blind. She knew this because I've met this person before. But she went in and told my cousin, she's like, hey, I heard that every Muslim has to kill somebody once in their life. What? And I was like, what? And so, of course, my cousin comes and tells me this. And you don't know me that well, but I was like, tell that B-I-C-C-H-A-C-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-
it's about the moolah. So if you're you hear something on TV and you it gives you a visceral reaction about not just Muslims but about anybody, really, you can bet your life on it that it is a biased opinion and it's mm-hmm. there to make money. Mm-hmm. And let me say this also because I know there um, in this day and age people get upset and offended at everything. Um, when I say I know Christians who ha- are in an abusive relationship, I'm not saying there aren't Muslims who are like that. The, the What I'm going to say is people are people. Okay? Mm-hmm. There are people of... It's, it's the evil of the people, in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that's universal. That's universal. People mm-hmm. do it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But to just pin it on, say, Muslims beat their wives. Actually, they don't, you know. Now, you would have one person who's doing that or a very, very small minority of people who do that. But don't don't block it onto Muslims of the world because that's not accurate at all. It's just like I wouldn't say Christians of the world beat their wives. Like you would look at me like I was crazy. Like you, I, I've known a lot of people who don't get beat. So it's the same thing with us. Right, so I just right. want to put that in there before you, somebody, not everyone listening to this, but somebody thought I was saying Christians beat their wives. <laughs> and, and again, that's the thing what people don't understand what people don't afford muslims around the world is the fact that we exist with so many different experiences around the world i mean if you said that the christians of one part of the world are same as christians of the other part of the world automatically you'd be like but no that's not true we're not afforded the same luxury unfortunately we're sort of all lumped together And that's where the problem is. We can't be lumped together because, again, we all have such different experiences with every single thing. Yeah. And, you know, again, you have any questions, just ask a Muslim. You have a question about a Muslim from Morocco, (laughs) ask that Muslim from Morocco. Don't ask a Muslim from Philly because we won't know. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have a question, a specific question, just ask the person. Ask Nobody's going to bite your hair, head off. I know I I ask a lot of questions. I ask questions of, you know, like if you see like a stereotype on TV, mm-hmm. I've asked the person. I've just right. asked a person from that place or from whatever the stereotype is. I've asked to their face because I, I, I don't have, I'm not shy about that. I want to know, mm-hmm. I ask. Right. So if you want to know, ask. Right. Ask in a respectful way, but mm-hmm. ask. Right. So, yeah. And that's why I have this segment, Casey. Whatever questions y'all might have to ask a Muslim, just send it to me. So I'll put my email down in the show notes. Ask away. Okay. That's why I do this segment every single year. So I can take in all the questions, clear a little bit of the air and a lot of misconceptions. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining me with your opinions. And again, <laughs> as a as a disclaimer to everybody, neither of us is a scholar. We are just two average Muslim women. And we are here to clarify any misconceptions that we can. Thank you all for listening in. And y'all take care of yourself and may peace be on you all.
Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five-star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.